Awesome. Great to see you, Journey. If, if you've been around for uh, years, you know that we've got a tradition around Christmas that we call Advent Conspiracy. And our creative team have put together a video to kind of help capture the heart and the mind uh, behind Advent Conspiracy. So if you'd turn your attention to the screens, we'll watch that together. Journey, I love it that when we think about Christmas, when we think about this season, we think about it a little bit differently sometimes than the world around us because we believe with everything in us that the way that we want to celebrate the coming of our King is that we would leverage everything in our life, our time, our energy, and our money to help bring God's kingdom to this earth. That's the reason that we're all here. That's the reason that journey exists. And we've got three tangible ways that we're trusting God to break in in new and greater ways in this next year. Uh, one of the partnerships that we have is a partnership with Bring Love In because around journey, we care about widows and orphans. We know that God cares about widows and orphans and so we care about widows and orphans. And we've got a fantastic partnership with Bring Love In over in Ethiopia where we can leverage our dollars right here in the United States to be a part of Bring Love In where they connect widows and orphans to live together and provide food and shelter and education and opportunity for them. And we think it's fantastic that we get to do something on the other side of the globe because of what God does right here around Advent Conspiracy. 
A second thing that we're committed to around here is that we want to send leaders from Journey. We don't want to be just about what goes on here. We want to send leaders. When Jesus was here on this earth, something that he said that has always captured my attention, when he looked out at the multitudes of people that needed his compassion, that needed his love, the thing that he said is the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And then he turned to his closest disciples and he said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. We take that really seriously around here. We don't want to just be about what we're doing at Journey Church. We want to send leaders and laborers to other places as well. One of the things that God has been bubbling up around us with some of our younger leaders is what would it look like for there to be another expression of Journey Church in our town that is reaching people that we are not currently reaching? There's some young guys and gals that are thinking about what it might look like to plant something downtown on the east side of Bozeman that would reach people in a different way than we're doing that right now. And we want to be a part of seeing what God would do and resourcing them in that. Because I started to think a little bit about what it was like to, a dozen years ago, be a part of the, the launch team here at Journey. And I was thinking about the men and women that were around that. And in relative terms, we were pretty young back then, young men and women. And we've, gotten, we've lost a little hair since then. And what hair we do have has turned a little bit gray. Uh, but God did some amazing things through uh, a group of young people that wanted to do something different in our town. And we think we want to be a part of the next generation of leaders who are going to be the next people that are going to reach people that we are not currently reaching in the Gallatin Valley. We want to be a part of resourcing that. And as always, we've got some unfulfilled dreams right around here as well. There are things that God has put on our heart that we think journey needs to be called to that we want to resource right here as well. And so all three of those things are going to be part of what we're giving toward with our Advent conspiracy. What we're trusting God for is that we would raise $199,000 over and above our normal giving to be able to fund some of these initiatives that I just talked with you about. Uh, we're excited to see what God's going to do, but God has already done something pretty exciting around this as well. There's a group of folks around Journey that are especially excited about the things that we're doing, and they've stepped up and they've put out there $90,000 on the table to serve as a match for the rest of us. So that if we would give toward that, every dollar that we give is matched up to $90,000 to help get us to that goal of $199,000, which is really cool in my mind. So I know that some people at this time of year are considering year-end giving. There's some real practical reasons to do that. I think there's a lot of really good spiritual reasons to do that. And we just want to unashamedly invite you to be a part of the Advent Conspiracy with us because we're really excited about the things that God is asking us to do. There's some envelopes that are in the chair back in front of you. There's some envelopes at the info table around the Christmas tree out there. So you can grab one of those and just mark Advent Conspiracy on a check if you'd like to give toward that. All right, let's get to the Bible. I grew up in eastern Montana, outside of Billings, and so I didn't grow up in the, the beauty that we get to look out and see every day. And when I first came to college here in Bozeman, and, and we just got to partake it all the time, just look outside and see this amazing mountains, amazing creation, I would just always be like, I am so excited to live here. I can't believe I get to live and go to school here. But you know what, that was a long time ago. And most of my, I'm 47 now, so that was like almost 30 years ago that I first came to Bozeman. Most of my life has been spent here. 
And a lot of the times when I think about how I experience the beauty around me is I don't really notice it all the time anymore. Because I've just, you kind of get into life, you get into the grind, things are going on, your attention is captured by so many things. You're not just standing around taking in the beauty around you. But every once in a while, I have this thing that happens where a friend from out of town, or maybe it's a family member from out of town, comes to visit me in Bozeman. And as soon as they get here and we start going around and looking at all the things that I've been taking for granted, in their mind there's this, wow, look at this, this is amazing. I can't believe that you get the opportunity to live here. And then there's something that starts to kind of well up in me and I'm just like thinking, yeah, this is really cool. This is awesome that I get to live here. I think that's a little bit what it can be like for us as Christ followers as we approach Christmas. We can sometimes just kind of take it for granted. We've been there. We've done that. I know I'm going to go to church. I know that when I go to church, they're going to start talking about the birth narratives of Jesus. I've heard all those stories before. I've heard all the songs before. And we can lose that sense of wonder and gratitude for what it is that we're actually talking about here at Christmas time. You can be out, be out there in the audience and suddenly your, your notes page becomes this to-do list of these things that you've got to do to get done because it's the Christmas season. Well, this is what I've been praying so hard all week. What I want to serve for you as is that out-of-town guest, that out-of-town friend that maybe would come alongside you and just say, would you look at this story? Could we look at this story like we've never seen it before? Could we look at it with new eyes, fresh eyes, maybe even stunned eyes, hopeful eyes? Maybe even for some of you, questioning eyes. Like, could this really be true? Is this story really true? And this is what I think is true. I think we owe ourselves the time and the energy to ask ourselves that question. Did this really happen? Did the God of the universe come to this earth as a man? Did God come near I think we've got to ask that question because if it's not true, if God didn't come to this earth and become a man, we are wasting our time. We don't even need to be here. We should be watching football or doing something else. But the reason that we're here, the reason that we're celebrating Christmas is because we believe that God actually did come near. But what are the implications to our life? If this story is true, I think the implications to our life are enormous. It isn't just a seasonal thing. This is implications for all of our life, all year long. The ripple effects are astounding. It demands a response from our life. 2,000 years ago, did God leave heaven and come to this earth? Did God come near? Let's pray. God, I just want to ask for your spirit that is here right now would move in a powerful way during this time. We know that you're here, God. You have access to every part of our life. You can speak to us in any way that you want to. I pray that you would use these minutes together. God, that you would open our hearts and minds to the reality of who you are and what you've done for us. God, would you create a sense of wonder for us, a sense of gratitude around what it is that you did for us as we celebrate 
Christmas together. God, we love you. And Jesus, it's in your powerful and risen name that we pray. Amen. This is God's word. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. If you're in that place today where the thought of God leaving heaven And coming to earth is hard to believe you're in really good company because it was really hard for Mary to believe as well. And that's kind of interesting on the one hand, isn't it? Because this is a group of people that have been waiting, looking for God to send someone, to send that Messiah, to send that one that is gonna rescue them, to send that one that is gonna crush their enemies once and for all, that's gonna bring freedom, that person that's gonna be the king. But this is not how you would write the script if a king was coming, is it? This is almost completely the opposite of that. God chooses to move toward this poor, young, unwed girl in this no-name town, almost in total obscurity, completely on the fringes. It's almost like God is trying to sneak in around everybody noticing. It's not this grand entrance. No, ta-da, nothing like that. God sneaks in. But he starts with this conversation between Mary and the angel Gabriel. And I love Mary's response. It says that Mary was greatly troubled. And I think for the longest time when I read that, I always just thought, greatly troubled. It's probably just because she's kind of freaked out because she's talking to an angel, Gabriel. That would be kind of scary enough as it is, right? But when I look at the word that Luke uses there, and Luke is a doctor that wrote this. He uses words with surgical precision. The word that he uses right there isn't just, isn't this word that's talking about just being afraid. What it means is that she's confused and perplexed. Nothing about this is making sense to Mary. Think about the th-
the angel telling her? First, the angel says, you're gonna conceive and you're gonna have a baby. Now, Mary's no doctor, but she knows enough biology to know I'm a virgin. I don't understand how in the world that is going to happen. But let's just, if we can, let's just set the whole virgin birth to the side just for a second, if you will. That's not the only crazy thing that this angel says about this baby that she is going to have. In verse 33, this is what the text says. It says, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. See, Mary, you're gonna have a baby and he's gonna be the king and he's gonna be the king forever. What he's saying is this baby is going to live forever. This baby is going to be eternal. And that's gotta just be wrenching in her mind. How in the world can that be? But Gabriel doesn't stop there. Gabriel keeps going. Not only is this baby of yours gonna be a king that's gonna live forever, this baby is going to be God. This is what the angel said to Mary. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary knew what he was talking about. When Jesus referred to himself as the Son of God, what did people do around him? They did things like pick up stones to kill him because you, a mere man, are claiming to be God. So, so let's just step back. If we can just kind of look at a overview of this interaction between Gabriel and Mary. Look at the things that the angel has said. Okay, one, one of, let's just, it's an angel. You're talking to an angel, that's crazy. But he says, you're gonna have a baby and you're a virgin. This baby is gonna live forever. And this baby is going to be God. I think I'd be greatly troubled as well. That seems like a little bit confusing and perplexing. But what is the message that's given at Christmas? The God of the universe is coming to this earth as a man. But not just a man. The God of the universe is coming to this earth as a baby. A baby. This is how John says it. John 1, 14, it says the word, and the word there is the living word, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. The word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Friends, the story of Christmas says God came near We've got to try to grab, grab that with our mind. God came near. But this is what I think is interesting. This idea of God coming near. Again, he didn't come in some kind of a crazy whirlwind to capture everyone's attention. He didn't come in some kind of a crazy pillar of fire. He didn't come as some kind of a conquering hero. Think about this. The God of the universe came as a single cell. The God of the universe came as a fertilized embryo. Is that not amazing? The placenta 
nourished the God of the universe. An amniotic sac was formed around the God of the universe. The God of the universe was inside of Mary's stomach. And then it grew to a place, God of the universe grew to a place where it's about the size of my fist. And then the heart began to break into four different chambers and began to beat. God of the universe came that way. God came near. And he was born. He was born through Mary. You know what this tells me about our God? Our God wore diapers. Our God was changed by Mary. He nursed. Friends, the God of the universe nursed. Friends, the God of the universe, he played with his friends. The God of the universe, know what else? He was teased by other kids. We were all teased, right? I wasn't the only one, right? We were all teased. God was teased. God went through puberty. God went through puberty. The voice that at one time spoke out of nothing and created everything that we see Sun, moon, stars, everything that we see, that voice created everything. Ex nihilo, that voice cracked and squeaked as a teenager. Are we getting our mind around what it is that God did? Why? Why on earth would God do this? Why would he leave there to come here in this way? Such humility, such vulnerability. What is it? that God wanted us to know. Friends, God wanted you to know he gets you. He gets you. He understands you. He knows the things that you're going through. He has faced the things in this life that you have faced. I loved how the writer of Hebrews says this. Hebrews chapter four. This is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this from the message. Hebrews chapter four. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, the great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. He has been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy. Accept the help. God wants you to know he understands you. He gets you. We don't have to doubt that. But friends, if we ever get to the place where we do doubt that, that I don't really know if God understands, we just need to look at the life and the face of Jesus If we ever think to ourselves, God, do you really understand my sadness and my hurt, my loss, the things that I'm going through? Friends, all we need to do is that we look at the tear-stained face of Jesus who stood outside the tomb of his friend Lazarus and wept because of the loss with Mary, with Martha, but wept because of the heartbreaking loss in his life. He 
understands. If you ever think, Jesus, do you understand my fear? Do you understand the anxiety, the things that I'm going through in my life? You just need to look at the face of Jesus with that steeled resolve when he walked across the waves and the water to get to a boat to his friends who were scared. And with that powerful voice, calmed the waters around them. Jesus understands our fear. If we ever get to that place where it's like, Jesus, do you understand what it's like to be rejected and ridiculed? What we need to do is we need to look at the empathetic eyes of Jesus as he stood between a woman laying on the ground caught in adultery and a group of men with rocks in their hands. And he stands there and he says, you who is without sin, cast the first stone. And as they walked away, he kneels down and picks her up and says, go and sin no more. He knows what it's like to experience the ridicule and the rejection of people. Jesus knows because God came near. Jesus, do you understand the betrayal that I've experienced in life from people that I love from people that I've cared about. Do you understand that? Marriages that have gone south and walked away. Jesus, do you understand the betrayal that I've felt? What you need to do is we need to look again to the kind eyes of Jesus, who at the very end of his ministry here on earth, sat down, kneeled down, and took the feet of his closest disciples and began to wash them, taking the role of a servant. But you know whose feet he washed? He washed Judas's feet with the same kind eyes that he washed everybody else's feet. He washed Judas's feet. And as he looked into Judas's eyes with all the kindness in the world, he knew, the text tells us, he knew Judas was going to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. That's all his life was worth to Judas. He'd given everything to him. Jesus understands what it's like to be betrayed. Jesus, do you understand how hard it is to forgive people that have hurt you in this life? You talk about forgiveness, but Jesus, you don't understand how much I've been hurt by other people. Friends, again, we just need to look at the face of Jesus with blood running down his face from the crown of thorns that was on his head and watch him stand between a holy God that could just pour out his wrath on the people that were doing. He was cruelly beaten, mocked, tortured. But he looks to God and he doesn't ask God to pour out his wrath on these people. What does he say? He says, God, forgive them. Father, would you just forgive them? They don't even understand what they're doing. He, in a moment, he traded cruelty for compassion. Jesus knows how to forgive. Why does he know all this? Because God came near. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas, friends. God came near. Now, you can reject God for any reason that you want. You can reject him. You can be angry at him. You can not trust him. You can try to create distance with him. Do whatever you want, but you can't do it because he doesn't care and he doesn't understand. God understands because God came near. I love how Dorothy Sayers says it. She's a British author. And I just want to read this quote because I think she just captures it so succinctly. She says, for whatever reason, 
God chose to make man as he is, limited and suffering and subject to sorrows and death. He had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. Whatever game he is playing with his creation, he has kept his own rules and he's played fair. He can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He has himself gone through the whole of human experience from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and the lack of money to the worst horrors and pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. He was born in poverty and died in disgrace and thought it all worthwhile. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? Why did he make that journey from heaven to here? Why did he come near? Friends, he wants you to know him. He wants you to have intimacy with him. He wants you to have a real experience of him. And if you know anything about relationships at all, you know that the only way that we ever have real genuine relationships is if people are humble and vulnerable with one another. We've got to open ourselves up to the possibility of being hurt. To have a real relationship, we open ourselves up, our lives and our heart, to real hurt, real pain, the possibility for real loss, the possibility for real betrayal. But here's what Christmas tells us. God went first. He made himself humble. He made himself vulnerable so that we could have that kind of a relationship with him. God came near. Do you believe it? I know that it can be hard to believe because it was hard to believe for Mary. She didn't quite grasp it. She didn't even take it at face value. She had to ask some questions. Luke 129, I'll just read it again. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Wondered about this whole interaction with Gabriel. What in the world is going on here? And I want to tell you again, I think Luke uses his words very, very carefully. And that word there that is translated here, wondered, the deeper understanding of that, would, the definition would be this, to think or to reason with thoroughness and completeness, to think out carefully. When it says that Mary wondered, it wasn't like she just had this little cartoon bubble above her head, like, huh, I wonder what Gabriel's talking about here. It just says she was thinking about it ruthlessly, thoroughly trying to understand how does this all fit together? Mary had some serious question marks and she was willing to take those questions to the table. Friends, we've got to be willing to take our questions to the table. I think there's sometimes out there this idea that people that are religious and Christians, they just throw their brain away. They don't really think. They just say, well, just have faith. No, not at all. Ask questions. Ask questions. Ask them regularly. Ask them often. God can take it. Ask him the questions because I don't believe that our heart can fully embrace something that our mind rejects. And I think our faith is incredibly reasonable. Ask the questions, but ask them in the same way that Mary did. I just read this and I think that there's an openness of her heart. It wasn't like, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm probably not going to believe you anyway. Some of us can have those kind of questions in our heart and mind, but Mary was open. 
keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. The answers are out there because God ultimately wants you to see his face. He wants you to know him. He wants you to experience him. But at the end of the day, every one of us is gonna come to the same place that Mary did where we've gotta make a decision. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do with what God shares with us? What is it that we're gonna do with the truth? What are we gonna do with this reality here that God came near? And the text tells us here that Mary, she was calculating. She was thoroughly thinking about it. And there were some costs. If she's gonna step into obedience here and follow God, take him at his word, there was gonna be a great cost. Here's what the text says in verse 38. Reminder of Mary's response. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word, may your word to me be fulfilled. What she's saying is, God, I'm taking you at your word. And there were some things that she had to think about, isn't there? In that culture, God just said, I'm gonna be a virgin that has a baby. What are the costs for her in that culture? Friends, they had calendars, just like we do. They can figure it out. Hey, hey, when was it that Mary and Joseph got married? How old is Jesus? Oh, I get it. She was always gonna be that I get it woman. Jesus was always gonna be that illegitimate child. At this moment, she has no idea. Is the man I love even gonna stay with me? Am I walking away from that? But at the end of the day, she just came to the place where there was a complete surrender of her life. God, I'm taking you at your word and I'm gonna live my life as such. Friend, every one of us comes to that same place in our life. What are we gonna do? Are we gonna try to do life ourselves? Are we gonna come to the place where we say, Jesus, I'm taking you at your word and I'm making you the king of everything in my life. The reason for the season, what we celebrate at Christmas is because God came near. Our king is here. I wanna give you some time to just put your things aside and this is what I want to ask you to do. Would you just take a few moments right now? Would you just ask God, what, God, what is it that you're saying to me in this? God, what is my message for today? And what do you want me to do? When I hit the parking lot, God, how do you want me to live this out in my life? With our heads still bowed and our eyes closed, 
I'm imagining in a group this size that there might be some people that as you're reflecting on where am I at with God? Where am I at with making him my king? Friends, if there's any confusion there, we want to give you an opportunity to do what Mary did, to become vulnerable, to become humble before God and to make him the king of your life. And you can do that in a simple way by praying along with me in a simple, simple way that goes something like this. God, I want to respond to your grace today and I want to begin a relationship with you. I know that it's only by your grace. There's nothing that I can do to earn your favor. And I want to respond to you and your grace today by placing my faith and my trust in you and what you've done for me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross in my place to pay the penalty for my sins. God, I turn from my sin today. And Jesus, I make you my savior and my Lord. I open the door of my life and I invite you to rule everything in my life. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and giving me an eternity with you. Take control of the throne of my life today as I make you my king. I belong to you and I ask you to make me the kind of person that you want me to be. Jesus, thank you that as we stand before you and as we talk to you, we know that you get us. You understand. You experienced everything that we experience. You just did it without sin so that you could be our savior, that you could be our sin bearer. Jesus, thank you that you did that. Thank you that in your humility and your vulnerability, you were willing to come near. And for that, we give you all the glory and the honor that is due your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.